This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey, yeah, yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. All right, welcome to another edition of Judd's Hockey Podcast. Lindsay and Declan along as always. And uh, let's start, I'm going to start you guys off with a realization that I have had about the Ooh. Wild and the Western Conference. Oh, goodness. And I'm curious to get your thoughts about this. Um... And I sort of said the same thing about the Vikings, and I was wrong in that case. So I might be wrong again, but I'm a little bit scared I'm not. Uh, I think if the Western Conference were normal this year right now, that it would become very obvious where this team sort of stood. And you'd say, okay, they're either – I think they're going to make the playoffs or they're just not going to. And therefore, if you're Paul Fenton, you could choose your course of action at that point and start to either dump or try and get guys, whatever. Uh, the Western Conference is so bad – so and, bad. and it's so rough that I'm worried that even if Fenton chooses his direction, that the ownership might not give him the okay to make trades to potentially dump. Because as I look at the standings right now, I don't know that the Wild can miss the playoffs if, unless they dump. I don't know that they can because they're at 56 points. So, mm-hmm. so they are the top wildcard team right now. The Dallas Stars are now in third place in the Central at 60 points. Uh, the Wilds two points up on Vancouver. They're only four points up on Colorado. But the point being is below them is also a mess. Right. So what is your guys' thoughts on the fact that this conference is so goofy and so terrible that it doesn't really provide definition on direction if you're a GM who potentially wants to say, I'm either in or I'm out completely. Lindsay, mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, I, I, I agree with your with your point uh, in reference to the Western Conference and being bad in that if every team was, say, playing at their highest level and it's a perfect world and everything in the hockey world is great, they're, and that includes all of the teams, I think they're in the bottom – quarter of the Western Conference then if everybody's playing at their high level and 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 everything looks good on paper and everything else and that's where you you are going to run into issues with trading because you're essentially you have to cut out half the market to the Western Conference because if you're looking to trade a rental player doesn't matter as much but if you're looking to trade a player who has years left on their contract like a Dubnik or a Spurgeon or a Brodeen you gotta take the Western Conference out because not only for this season but also seasons ahead because I don't I don't really see anything changing next year I don't see a ton of these teams getting exponentially better like I don't think the Blackhawks are going to turn around and all of a sudden you know compete for the president's trophy um but I don't know it's just they're they lose two and then they're down four points the next week they'll be up four points then we go it's just it's the same thing every week it's just annoying and it was kind of nice having the the long break because we didn't we didn't have to talk about it for a week and a half Declan, what do you think? Uh, I think with the parity right now in between the West with like the fourth best team and the tenth, let's say, uh, I don't look at that as a opportunity where the Wild can strike and then be buyers and make some pe- add some pieces and and solidify themselves as the fourth best team. When at the end of the day, you're just the best of the lousiest. And you look at the top with Nashville, Winnipeg, Calgary, and even San Jose in that mix. Those four teams are pretty dang good. And then there's just a drop off. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Wild should be in any position to be mortgaging future assets no. just to be buyers and because they can say that, well, the West is so wide open, so let's attack. No, no, no. I think either you, you stay the course with this roster and or you sell, which I am still for. I'm still for selling. Uh, and there's been some minor tweaks. JT Brown on waivers. Nate Prosser on waivers. Again, the tweaks that are happening. But And don't I- they call up Cunning and Eck? 
or kind of no, Rao. Rao. We're getting another shorty ever. shorty up here, huh? That didn't get called it. up yeah. this oh, time. He did not get no, called up. No, Cunning got recalled and and Rao got called up and Eck got left down this time. Oh, but okay. to what Declan's saying is, is I can see the case to, to be like, okay, you got um, Coil, and you might want to trade him, but now you're not going to because he's playing okay and he works hard, mm-hmm. and you're still in the race. I guess the real, as the February 25th deadline approaches, the real interesting one for me is Stall. Yes, be, and I would trade him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing with Stall is I watched uh, the, the third period of the game. At Dallas on Friday, and, and I know that they did not play well in that game. But then I went to the Blackhawks game on Saturday, and Eric Stahl, guys, looks like he's 67 years old. Yeah. Like, there's. What happened? What know. changed? Do you think he's hurt? I, uh, he might be, but he's I. banged up. But I also think that he had an off the charts great year that should have been capitalized on mm, by trying yeah. to trade him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's just not a young guy. And, and there's a ton of miles on that body. I mean, this just Playing happens. Playing since he was 18. He's yeah. the number one overall pick. He played on a Stanley Cup champion in Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Which back, what was that, 2006? I yeah. mean, I Rod mean, Brindamore is... was their captain and Cam Ward yeah. was a rookie. <laughs> he he is not old in years, but he's an old hockey player. Yeah, right? yep. Uh, but he's the one to me that if I'm Fenton, I, I want to trade. And he's also the, the one that, that I could see Leopold saying, but we're in the race and Eric Stahl is important. And right. so that's the one I get hung up on. Like, I don't think Dubnik's going to be traded. I don't think And so the young either. guys, if you want to trade him in June at the draft, mm-hmm. you can. Stahl is on an expiring contract. And I'm not even saying that you're going to get a ton for him, but I still think the return, if you can send him to a team, a Stanley Cup contender, where he can be the third line center, mm-hmm. I think he could be a productive player there. So you could get something in return where I just don't see the benefit of having him play out the season here so you can make the playoffs and once again, as we've talked about a thousand times, losing the first round. I'm going to go back on what I literally just said like five minutes ago. Shocking. Who's the third line center for the Jets? They they need some help. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know off the top of my head. So they got a first round. They're dangling a first rounder. They're kind of stacked. They're kind of fast. Where they you think might give you a first rounder for him for stall. I don't stall? know. I don't it depends know. on the in market. The division, I don't... It might be them saying no. Yeah, or but, I think it'd be them, right? But I don't think anybody would have uh, predicted I mean, that Mar- Martin Hansel would have commanded a sure. first round pick when sure. he was traded. Very true. And it just depends on how the market lays out. Hey, if you tell me first rounder right now, deal I, anyone I, or just unless stall can't be traded, he does have a list of teams to which he can block trades. I'm sure he'd be just fine going up. Just. He's a Canadian boy. Up He's a Canadian. There, yeah. He likes the Minnesota area. So he doesn't. His yeah. family doesn't have to uproot and go across the country. Good point. It's a good team. Um, yeah, I, I would. I would look into that. Unlikely, but that might be a thing. That would be something I would definitely look at. And even if you don't get the first rounder, I don't know if anybody's noticed that their organization has been running pretty well over the last few years. So like prospects and whatnot, they've done a pretty good job scouting. So I would pretty much take anything from that organization at this point. Yeah, I would. If you're going to trade stall and you can get a first round pick back or whatever you can get back, that's great. But I also believe that they're going to have to address center depth. The Wild will have to address center depth immediately in the offseason because I think that's the biggest reason why they didn't trade stall last summer. Even if you want to capitalize on his career year or a a resurgent year, uh, it was a hard sell because you had no depth down the middle. Joel Erickson Eck has fallen off a cliff. Miko Koi was on the wrong side of 30. Charlie Coyle, although playing better at center, has yet to show that he can do it consistently. And right now... He's back at wing now, too. He yeah. doesn't know what And Pat Alfine is coming off that ankle surgery. Yeah. <laughs> and Victor Rask, although I, don't, I, I think is a nice depth piece, the guy can't skate and he shouldn't be in, any, any, in a top six role for the most oh, part. Oh, wow. Tell us how you feel. So if you're going to trade stall, <laughs> you, you're going to need some centered and a, a good oh, yeah. center back in return. Well, you need and, speed. You need speed up the middle. Yeah. You don't need a hardcore sure. trained their entire life well, to be hold a on center. a second, though. But back to that point, though. All right, I'll, I'll bite and go down this path. Okay. What's the goal for nineteen twenty? Oh God. For two thousand nineteen twenty, I, I don't know that you do need a great. I think you need the best prospect possible and or draft pick. Correct, Linz, as you're yeah. saying. Yeah. I don't think you need a good not this center year. back. Yeah. But I for for next year either. I, I I mean, if you get one, great. Well, but, do you want to suck next year or not? My preference would be absolutely to yeah. I okay, think, then don't go out and try to get a center. But, but I don't. But I don't think that this organization, when you look at their their organizational depth or lack thereof, I don't think that they are in a spot to make the call on certain positions of depth. No, they're completely. They depleted. just need help. Yeah, right. they need bodies. Like Fletch just gave away everything. Right. 
Our right. yard sale turned into a house sale, and now we got nothing. Yeah. Right. He literally went. He we literally. Got no che- he went to the pawn shop that was the trade deadline. <laughs> put everything up as collateral. Yeah, and, and then now, lost hard. And we're the kids now. We got nothing left. Yeah. I mean, we got no chairs. No Christmas no kitchen, presents under the tree. No kitchen table. Nothing. No. None. I Hal mean, Fletch- he sold the f- the freaking he- the freaking heater's gone. Hal Fletcher stole Christmas. You know, it's 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 the same thing. He's t- he took and all now the he's in Philadelphia, presents. and uh, and they're Philadelphia. playing well. It's hilarious. They won too. eight in a row. They have. They won eight in a row. They won eight they in a row. Won, Shut up. They are something like three points back of a playoff spot. So now the question becomes: Wayne Simmons, what do they do? And it's Fletch. So who Hart the hell playing? knows? Is yeah, Carter Hart Carter playing? Hart's playing out of his He's mind? Playing great. I watched Good last for night. Him. They played the Canucks last night. He stopped like forty some odd shots. Yeah. He's fantastic. And plus, and guess what? His style runs runs counter against the style today. He's like what's, com- what's he's like that? coming out and challenging guys. He he came. There was a play last night against the Canucks. He came way out and challenged, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, that's that's not what." Challenge the shot or poke check it. No, he challenged the shot. Okay. He came way out to cut the angle. Gotcha. Old school. Mm-hmm. And people are like, "Well, wait, 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 wait." So you're at, you're, you were having some goalie feels last yeah. night, weren't you? I <laughs> oh, get those a lot. Well, actually, and and um, to f- further that point, Vancouver on, on an emergency basis just had to recall Di Pietro from oh Canada from his Shut, junior he's team. Still he's, in the thing. I didn't know that. Get either. out. He's yeah. still with us. He got called. He got called up on an emergency basis to Rick. back to back up in <laughs> Vancouver. No, no, no. The kid. Um, not not. Oh, not, not Rick Di Pietro. Not Rick. Yeah. Oh, that's no, the, I the could kid. you imagine if it was Rick oh, just oh, toiling no, no. away Rick's in the AHL? Rick's a broadcast or a broadcaster. He's now a talk show host in New York, I believe. And oh, he's shocking. really good. Shocking. Uh, good Mikey. Mikey Di Pietro just got called up. Is that his kid? No. Just no relation. But Rana, I don't think Rana, it's. I think gotcha. it's Rana. the other Di Pietro. But okay. the fact. But the fact is, Hart is playing out of his mind. Great. And well, they need story. that. Philly's been in search anyway, of goalie since Chuck. you know the bicentennial. That's so. Chuck. But if you're the Wild, I mean, are you really? If you're Fenton, I don't think you're trying to reset this thing to win in 2019 no. 20. Not necessarily. But I also think you still need you still need to add something to make your team play hockey. And you hmm. you can't you can't just not address the center. You can't just plug Erickson Eck in or plug minor league player B. I I don't think you can do that. That's Why? Because you're going to be so horrible. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's a it's not good like they point. Don't, it's not like if you switch someone from a right wing to center well, that all of a sudden they're like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Next, like, year, it, you know. next year, in my opinion, is the holding pattern for Kaprizov. Because that's the last year of his KHL How deal. How long are we going to so wait if, for if this you're, kid? So if you're going to – if that kid's actually going to want to come here, I don't think you can be dog bleep. You what can't if he be sucks? dog. Ble- oh no, no, this kid can play. No, yeah, I'm, they said that about Granlin too. This no, kid can play. No, I disagree. You tell him. You go there and tell him specifically you're going to be dog bleep, and you give Erickson Eck every chance. And I, I, I play. That's what I'm saying. Give the young guys ice time. I let Erickson Eck next year. I fail. Put, I put him at center in training camp. I leave him second line, yeah. third oh line, and I allow Work him to it fail. Out. The other thing I do is, and I think that they picked up Rask for this. I think they picked up Rask to replace Stahl. And I don't think they they care. He can't skate. Oh yeah, Mm-mm. but I go, but, but I go, I go to Russia and I tell Kaprizov, "Here's the deal: we're going to be awful, and we're doing it for you because we want a high draft pick. We want high draft picks that whole the the whole year. I think you, but Erickson Eck either has to start 2021 as a very viable good player, or he's gone. Right. So yeah, I'm all for sticking. I'm all for next year complete experimentation. Yeah, I that's it. I'm, year, I'm with you on that too. And I think you tell Zach and Ryan. Sorry, but but you are if you are going to be part of this team being good, you will be complimentary players, and that doesn't mean you can't be important. You, you could even make a, meet him in the middle. Say you could, we'll keep you on first line, first pair. In in, but it's not going to be one, two, one, three, one, four. It's me one, two, three, mm-hmm. one, two, four. Like and have a better rotation. That's a they just they. It's not they. They don't need to be moved from their lines. They just need to rotate those lines in better. Like. And I 100% agree with your with your Erickson Eck take in the sense of, like, just put the young guys out there and let them figure it out. This goes down a great path. Okay. Because <laughs> this actually sets up for, for Kaprasov to come here and for this to work. All right. So this offseason. I don't think he's coming ever. I think he will, actually. I think he will. I think he will. I think I, he will, I, that, but not KHL, here. that KHL thing, they signed those guys he'll do a ra- He'll do a ra- uh, Alexander Radulov when he came in for like a Well, let's say second. he won't, though. Let's just say, for, for the sake of this, he won't. So this offseason, you trade Coyle. You you might, you at least explore trading Grandland. All right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you, and you have to figure out his contract situation too if you're gonna my explore, point my point trade options my point being 2021 is finding out exactly what you have in Eric Sinek yeah 
Conan, who I do like, yep. I lo- I but really like, like, like he should be first line next year. Yes, first yeah. or second yes. line. I mean, yes. top six. Even Greenway should be on first line. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and so you develop, you either develop and or jettison th- this group of guys who are either mm-hmm. you think are going to be good or you're like I don't know Erickson Eck. Uh, you then trade what were the young guys that you give up on. So like the Coyle, Granlin, mm-hmm. that, that group. Yeah, exactly. So if you decide those guys are not going to be factors. Trade deadline, or I'm sorry, draft time. You trade them, so this actually does work out perfectly. Then for 2021 to hit the ground running with with Kaprasov playing for you, the goaltender's up, the kid who is playing yeah, for playing the very, I- very Iowa well. team right now, mm-hmm. he's good. Yeah, so you actually could do this. Like this year, not great. Next year could be hopefully awful. Right. But then you then this is where you can rebound mm-hmm. for three years from now. Yeah, though that should give plenty of time. To, good job, Declan. F- yeah. yeah. Good. Thank you. I mean, you said not to do that, but then you sort of hit on it. Exactly. Right, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's very smart. Yeah, and, and the thing is is that so much with these young guys is confidence, and you could it could backfire if you play them a lot, but I think if you just keep – if you monitor them and make sure that their confidence is staying high from game to game, yep. that it takes about a year, year and a half, especially with these young guys that who haven't necessarily packed on all the weight <laughs> that they will mm-hmm. in the league that uh, in the years to come. Mm-hmm. Get experience – Learn the first lines of the other team, especially interdivision, and you, you're always going up against those certain players. You going against like the Shifleys in Winnipeg, going against the Taves in, in Chicago. Learn the tendencies. Just throw yourselves in the game. Get those young guys as much exposure, study time as you can, and then you use the older veterans that cannot leave. Get them on board, supplement it, and then hopefully you have somebody like a Jason Zucker or. Uh, Granlund that kind of helps bridge the gap like, between the two groups. Like one of them stays. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I hope it. I hope I think I think it. One. I think it's Zucker. I really do. The, the temptation I'm there. His name right, right the now. temptation there though is what can I get for him? Yeah, because yeah. he can score goals. And and my God, if he and if sixteen and sixty four pass the bleeping puck one more time, I'm going <laughs> to kill somebody. And and sixty four is prone to pass. I get that. No, but there was the one. There was the play on Saturday. Actually, there was the goal. Granlund on, on the power play to. Zucker, who, if I'm not mistaken, one timed it by the Blackhawks goaltender, and it was a very nice goal. But then they had like a two on one. Oh, and, two on ones. And I would pa- decline. But them they passed. The they passed. They passed. And and let's like, yeah, sixteen didn't take the shot. It's, bunch, it's like, are you serious? It's a bunch of Thomas Vanix from uh, the Wild Days. It's unbelievable. Just passing, passing, passing. But I do. I I think back to the Eck Point, Cunning, and that group of, of guys. I don't think that you can ruin them next year because if you do, then they don't belong. Right, and that's so, the other benefit too is that you speed up the process. That a you find out what you have but like as if, well. If Eck is just ruined, then I don't care. Then, right, then he's going to fail. The, right, then he's going to go somewhere. Keep him and, right, yeah, rather than a, keep him around for line. next four years, Absolutely. might as well see what you got. And then if you need to cut, if you need to cut and go, then Absolutely. you can do that. All right, you you got a point about patience and trades. I do. I Ooh. we we had a really good um, transition earlier, but we missed it, of course. But there is an article in the Athletic by Eric. Oh God, let's try to pronounce Duhacek? that one um, about the importance of GM patience and uh, the domino effect of trade deadline moves at least that's what the, the title says okay. um, but actually in like the first paragraph I, I highlighted this line because I just it just was funny he goes first let's ponder the pitfalls of the trade deadline where over aggressive GMs annually take gambles and risks that usually don't pay off often the greatest mistake is feeling external pressure to win and succumbing to the temptation for a quick fix often to your own regret long and short terms Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Very much so. Very yes. much so. There's he. It's a really good article that kind of breaks down what's in the mind of the GMs when they're looking at trading for a potential player from different angles, not just their thought process, but the organizational thought process. But the biggest thing that um, Eric mentioned that I don't necessarily think that Chuck had, at least in the later years of uh, his tenure here, and I hope that Fenton has the support, is that uh, uh, the presence of an organizational sounding board. So essentially – not a yes man, a no man being like, let's take a second look at this, even though it looks good on paper, maybe it all makes sense, but let's just have somebody that plays devil's advocate. And I just don't think around the league, there's really not a lot of gut check people for the GMs, or at least the assistant GMs. And I wonder why that is. Do you guys think it's a job security thing that they that they don't go up to the gym and be like, hey, let's take a second and you know maybe just take, take think, another look at it? I think that's going to change more as, as we get – younger GMs because I, I sense that baseball has a, a lot of these guys now who are like like the twins you, you got a, a chief baseball officer and, and then a GM and I think 
Thad Levine probably tells Derek that sounds like a dumb idea. Right. Because he can. But I think I think hockey still has the problem in a lot of oh. cases of being old school, old yes. players. I'm right, you're oh wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I know. So I think you're I think what you're talking about there is going to change eventually, mm-hmm. but it's certainly not there yet. Um and and the problem as we know with Chuck is you fall in love with certain guys, right? Yeah. Right. And you can't trade them, and then you're like, okay, but I'll trade more draft picks. I mean, draft picks are the thing because they don't really exist. Like, they're not people. They're right. Not. So I think we're going to go down the path eventually as ho- hockey gets more advanced where there will be more checks and balances and people saying, no, I think in a lot of cases we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah, we're not close. We're not close. And, yeah, the, the analytics craze is, 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 is trending, I think, in the right direction. Because, I mean, in baseball, same kind of thing. Where now it's – I mean, analytics in it's baseball too much is, is in everywhere. Baseball, though. But but I but it, I think it's healthy for the sport where it it was like hockey where it was just scouts scouts know what we know and we, and we're not going to listen to anyone else tell us differently and now it's like well wait a minute we're signing these guys to long term contracts and it's and it's a detriment to our future let's look at this in a different way and be a money ball kind of team where we can cut some corners and 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 save some coin without bankrupting your future and I think hockey although like Judd said we're not there yet uh, I, I think down the road we will eventually get there. And I, I'm just t- talking about younger, more open-thinking pe- people right. who are willing to accept the – that's a dumb idea. Less hierarchical. Is yeah. that a word? Hierarchical, hi- hierarchical, one of those. Hierarchical. Hierarchical. It sounds really good. Hierarchy. Hierarchy sounds good. Hierarchy. But, that's, but, hi- but that's a noun. Don't, don't get me started with <laughs> Google. Yeah. Um, I, I will have to start. Nobody good. really cares. Lost my train of thought now that we've well, I, I just think the younger I think the younger I think as we get more younger, open minded thinking people, when they're second guessed, they're much less likely to take umbrage or offense. I mm. feel like the old school hockey and or baseball pe- people would get bent out of shape and then that's where people were concerned about their jobs being in jeopardy. Right. And so they were like, Oh, that sounds like a great trade, Chuck, or that sounds like a great trade. Uh, and so now as far as the in- analytics and where th- those are going in hockey, I'm not – I think they're going to be important. I'm not convinced they're going to be at, as important as baseball people no, think. No, not even Because I don't think you can interpret the numbers the same. Yeah, true. Like hockey's got a lot – I see a lot of stuff and I'm like, okay, if you watch games though, that doesn't stack up. Right. And, and it doesn't make them useless or dumb. No. Just their stats. Yeah. Their but, stats. But and, and like what are you going to change about um, on the ice not, – not how you use people individually because that can be changed or, or uh, Im- embraced. But – what are you going to change? Like, there's no such thing as a shift, right? Like, or a tactic, or like a, yeah. a strat, or a set strategy. Like, I guess in hockey, yeah. we saw that when when Jacques Lemaire with the Devils employed the trap, and the trap became popular. The trap uh, and the left wing lock, but oh, that of course it. was awful because that was terrible hockey. Terrible yeah. hockey. And so, so they did a lot to try and get that out because that was terrible to watch. But that wasn't a- analytics. That was just. Uh, if we gum up the neutral it's a scheme. zone, yeah, it's a scheme. Yeah, right. it's a scheme. But I'm just, I'm saying, where can the numbers go now that we have to make an interpretation to change the actual schemes in a way that we see to be counterproductive? I don't know. I think that they're going to have to apply all these new analytical tools that have kind of come up and and use it in a very unique way with hockey that's going to be different from how they use it, not just from baseball, but from all sports in general. And each sport has their own like special thing. But so many of the stat advanced stats for hockey really, like you said, Judd, don't say a lot. The big one that I always hear all the big stat people, insiders, uh, for hockey, say that's important is possession time because yeah. if you just have the puck on your stick longer, right. you have a higher likelihood of scoring because you just have possession. Of course, yep. correct. Right. Yep. Okay. Coursey, yep. whatever. But that's the thing is that I don't know how much further you can go because it's the only game in which it's completely free flowing. Yep. That it's the least amount of power that the coaches have over the actual game outcome. It's a series of broken plays too. Right. 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 That's the thing is like, like you what, can practice. Face-offs. That's it. And right. you could say, like, like this is your power play. Like, I can yeah. practice a breakout, but that's only going to take me X amount of passes. You can practice like, at some point it. In time, it's you can be... practice a theory, but you can't, pra- yeah. you can't practice it what actually is going to happen right. because it just it's on the fly. Yep. So that's where I get nervous where when Declan says there's going to be more analytics. I also don't want the league to completely shift and just go, we're just going to go analytics heavy because mm-hmm. hockey is not built on that. Hockey is built on culture and chemistry and other crap that 
are intangible. They're things that you can't and that quantify. Me on hockey people crazy. Right. And that's why it's a niche sport. Absolutely. Yes. And that's yeah. no, and that and amen. that yeah. And that's also why even so right. despite all the changes that they're making as a league, it's gonna be harder for them to pick up fans even still with the statistics that help explain it to people who don't know the game as well. Just because it's like they're so there's there's so many that you could say, oh look at this. But then the next shift, half the time when we're at the wild game, I'm saying, oh so and so is playing poorly. And the next shift he goes well, and scores a goal. It's the worst. And people don't like it. And and this is just life. And if you don't enjoy this, it's fine. But people don't like the fact that pucks go off butts. Like like in basketball, everybody likes butts these days. That that that, that okay. should, should go back legs. on that. We should go or, back. Or butts legs, are in. Or or skates butts are great. legally. But, you know, if I go to a basketball game and I go watch a great shooter, that guy's going to – I know exactly – you know, the basketball's not go- going off the center's head one time or something weird. that's happened. It probably has. But the point being is people hate or some people hate the randomness. Yes. But it doesn't bother me one bit. No. That's it's just what makes the, the game fun. Correct. Well, and it's still incredibly fast and incredibly skilled. Like if everything was, was random dumb luck, that, then I'd be like, okay, this is sort of silly. But that's a small fraction right. is random dumb luck. I mean, these guys are beyond skill, too, right. and beyond fast. Well, they're making and their luck up as they go. It's literally what sure, it is. Right. Millisecond pretty... to millisecond. Right, right. Yep. But I think, I think uh, to go back, the analytics, I think, in hockey are going to end up being a huge deal for individuals. Yes. Like, as they can track player movement mm-hmm. and, and have suggestions. And development. Yeah. Yep. Or and, what's going on in their bad scoring streak. Or you're skating this much, but when we look at it, you you really could cut down by doing this much right. like, on the on the amount of stress on your body. So I think I think the numbers and analytics ultimately are going to really help with individual players. But like as far as here's a scheme for you, we're right. going to do this. I don't think you can. I don't think that that's going to be that big of a deal. You know what? I just thought of this. I might be wrong. Remember, remember uh, All-Star Game was like two seconds ago. Remember the trackers? Remember the tweet that I sent out when they had every player tracked and they were skating around? It was just yeah, bubbles. And, yeah, and they're going to do that. Let's do that, but don't put it on the screen. That's oh, where yeah. this is going because I guarantee you they're going to track how much these guys are skating. I think that's And, and there's going to be a ton of – because they've done this in tennis for years where they'll, they'll measure how the distance that you run over the course of a match. Uh-huh. They'll do the same thing with skating, and I bet you there's going to be a ton of stuff. I'm just like efficiency of skating, efficiency of stride, making sure that your shifts, you're not expending so much energy, you know, all these different different things that you can tell based off of just I think that technology performance is, is yeah, right. I think that's I think it's more health. Close. I think it's more health based. At least yeah. that's what it's gonna be moving in and for they're also NHL. Track the puck. Yep. yep. I hate that though. I don't want to track the no glow. I don't puck. mind see I, I don't oh, mind no. the puck. I like the goal puck. I'm okay, all for it. I, but I don't not, want it on the screen, though. I don't want a talk, bubble. I'm not talking for, like, us as fans. Mm-hmm. I'm talking for internal in- information that's going to be used by teams oh, to try and goalie, help just think, of, just think of goalie development yeah, 10 I'm years from now. Just think, of ten, just think of goalie development 10 years from now where you can be like, let's break down game tape and figure out the exact angular, like, angular angle that the puck is going in, the velocity, how it's Launch rising, angle. all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So many goalie feel potential. Launch angle. Moments. Yes. All that stuff. Launch angle. Just like baseball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's and that's where it'll move. But yes, Judd, I agree with you. It's going to be based on uh, individual performance, but it's not going to really help when it comes to like scheming for the game, I don't think. I don't think it's going to yeah, be like a shift. Yeah. Like what, what's right. the shift in hockey? Mm-hmm. As right. I said, it probably was the trap, but the trap's right. hopefully never coming back. Right. It's just – it's too it's – too, it's too uh, fluid of a game situation for it to really affect down to a play. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be tough for it, – it's tough for fans to interpret the, the new stuff too because if, if you want – if the NHL wants to put these new player tracking stuff on there, they're, they're trying to attract new fans. But at the same time, I think then they're also deteriorating their own fans where it, it's hard for them to The purists get pissed. That. I they're was pissed. pissed. But I am, I am all for – the technology being available for the teams to kind yes. of look at things in mm-hmm. a new way. I'm I'm up with that a thousand percent. I think that'd be that'd be great for the game and, and great for the players and and then and then that might be the thing that also helps push the analytics more towards a common day or a more common theme in the conversation at least when hockey GMs and scouts and, and everyone's together trying to talk about how you build a good team. I got a question for both of you about a, a theory and or strategy that I don't get why more teams don't do it and it's on the penalty kill uh as we see more and more teams and th- this has been going on for a long time but i saw this the gophers game on friday Motsko had has his first power play now which, which by the way is doing 
really power good. play really or penalty well. kill? Uh, his power play. Okay. But I'm asking this from a penalty killer standpoint. Okay. Motsko has five forwards. Love it. Okay, which is a cool sort of idea. But from a penalty kill standpoint, why don't we see more teams, especially with a forward at the point, attack that guy? Like, I get there's risk involved because you've got four skaters to five. But, like, I was watching this on Friday, and I'm like, if I'm Michigan and I see five forwards, and I saw this, like, once, the the kid at the point yeah, you send your, you send your top. Turned, yeah. And he got turned around. He had no, like, he, it was over. So why don't more teams attack that guy? Because that guy's not a defenseman. He doesn't have the skills. Like, he doesn't play defense. Well, he's at the more point. importantly, he's not used to standing still and right, waiting exactly. for the puck. But, That's why they panic. But my, yeah. point, my point is everything leads me to say, if I'm a coach and I see that, I'm going at that, that guy. Like, I'm breaking out against him. I'm not, I'm not just going to dump the puck down the ice. Why don't we see that more, do you think? Like, to me, that would be a strategy that I would use consistently. Dex, why don't you go ahead? I uh, it, it'd be, especially, it's interesting in college hockey, too, and, and Mosko is, is a pretty good power play specialist, so he can dial things up a lot. But it's a, it's a very intriguing concept because you have, you have, like you said, you have guys that are decent skaters but aren't trained to be defensemen. So, I mean, even in an umbrella of a penalty kill, I mean, you could still put three guys... To in a box where you could maybe eliminate some traffic zones. I mean, might your goalie's going to have to help you out too. But yeah, I, I'm all for trying to attack a point man and trying to get him tipsy turned over, and you can now have an odd man well, rush the other way. And, and then to take this one, one one more step, and this might seem absolutely crazy, but if especially with that, what I would do is I would put out one really good offensive forward, and it, this would not be considered a traditional PK guy, and I would say. Go to it. Well, even like a zone in, like a zone in basketball. As the killer? Yes. A, as the point, because, the point because kill? Because if he comes out against that forward trying to play defense, mm-hmm. that guy's going to be lost. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if Patrick Kane attacks that guy, it's going it's going to be a bloodbath. I would say this. It depends. This is where you get where the NHL. It depends on the team because yeah. where, are mo- where are the big time power play hot zones right now? They're actually more in the. In the in the faceoff circles, where does Ovechkin and Line and Matthews camp out yeah. over there? And most of the time, when they're getting those goals, sure, sometimes they're getting that pass from the point down, but that's not a super effective pass in terms of like moving the penalty killers and getting that person on the backdoor time and space to make a play. But cross ice does. So I think you see more forwards being used because there's not as much of a premium placed on that top defensive. Um, position on the power play that in the past was mainly up there to distribute, but mostly just hammer away at one-timers and try to get pucks down low and deep on net. So I think you can see that. But yes, I think that the penalty killer should be more cognizant of that. But the thing is, is if you're going out and sneaking towards the point, and most of the goal, most of the deadly goals are coming from cross-ice passes, aren't you giving them even more of an advantage by taking away their option B unless I gam- instead of option A. Unless I gamble, steal that cross-ice pass, and, th- and attack off that. So from the top guy? So you're saying he yeah, drops I'm, down? I'm, I'm saying if you're doing what you're saying, which teams do a lot now, mm-hmm. you're right. So if you're trying that cross-ice one-timer to the guy in the circle. Yeah, Granlin does it all the time. And I have a guy that steals that pass then, mm-hmm. like a football play. But instead of stealing the pass and trying to tip it out and deflect it out, he actually steals the pass and attacks. Now the whole play is going towards the defensive zone. I'm turning that play around as the penalty killer, and I'm attacking the point guy who then has to turn himself around because he's not a defenseman to try and keep up with me. It's it's opportunistic, but you also have to think about it too that most of the time when puck movement in the offensive zone, when you're on the power play, you're not necessarily, besides that cross-ice pass, you wouldn't dare make that same pass up towards the blue line because of that threat. You make that pass down low. low. Right. It would have to be down low. And so you're not going to – well, that's a possibility. And sure, guys make dumbheaded plays even at the highest level. The chances of you actually getting a chance to go after them and you capitalizing on it – because it's not just getting the player and freaking them out. It's getting that bouncing puck puck off the stick and has to bounce past them and you have to catch it in stride and keep your speed up and all that. There's a bunch of intangibles that have to go right. But is it really worth – shifting your scheme to take away that bit for a thing that maybe happens 1% or 2% of the time. All I'm doing is trying to watch the 
these games and it seems like hockey people are stuck in hockey land a lot. Oh yeah. And I always try and think of what could you do fundamentally different mm-hmm. and, and some of it wouldn't work, but like the wild, the wild consistently. And that this is uh, true in, in five on five as well. Consistently sends a defenseman down low, you know, Spurgeon yeah. will attack down. Suter does the same. Now thing. I mm-hmm. keep thinking to myself and this would result in, in penalty sometimes, but certainly not all the time mm-hmm. with a guy like Spurgeon. What if you were able to trap him? Because now if you trap him... Down low. Down low. Right, right, right. So when he does that, when he attacks, you bring a guy down with him. But that guy completes the check. And so, just pins him? And pins him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which would get called for interference sometimes, but not all the time. But if you did that and didn't get called, now if I can get the puck and come back up ice, I've eliminated a defenseman. You could you could like bat- the Wild yeah. does this. They're predictable. Yeah. Like oh, if yeah. they never did it, or if they did it once in a great while, I'd be like, I you know, I don't yeah. know. But like they Spurgeon and and you're right, Suter consistently do this. So they like set themselves up for this probably on average between them eight times a game. If if I see, if I'm a defenseman and I'm seeing Ryan Suter take the puck up and bring it into the zone, I'm not trying to rub him out on the boards. I'm not trying to pinch him in and try to go. If I'm a defenseman, I play a soft zone entry, meaning let Suter or those defensemen kind of enter the zone. Don't give them a ton of space where they can make something happen off the half wall, sure. but give them basically force them, make a little, make a little river, a little directional into to go into the corner. Then you go pin instead of attacking high. That's what you. That's what I coach kids to do. Is like if you're gonna step. And, and take them out against the boards and check or in girls, like you just go with them and you kind of slow them right. down. You do that up higher, but not too high, but you don't want it. But if you want it, – it's suitor down low. What is he going to make? What pass is he going to make? Let him go down. Let him do Wayne Gretzky behind the net. The goal is to shoot, right? Right, yes. but that's what I mean. Like that's but their goal is to get the, down low. You don't even shoot. have to take a penalty to trap him. Just okay. say, oh, Suitsy, you want the puck down low? By all means, right. go ahead. I'm and then you just about how to turn it back up. Right, right. But that's so like, what I, then I'm attacking one defenseman and a forward. Probably. Yeah, but then you trap him. So then the forward has to stay up high and cover him, and yeah. you just give him you give him a little space where he where he feels like he has freedom, Spurgeon's but not a enough. Example. Yeah, but Spurgeon. You're right. I, yeah, yeah, and just yes. and then and then you're you right trap him down there, and then you go. Yeah, but you don't have to pin him to trap him. You just have to say, oh, you want you want to be just who's going to say no to having the puck on their stick? No one. That's what everybody's obsessed with. Besides goalies, like I have to, I have to have, to have the puck. Well, Staylock's obsessed with. It. Well, and Fair it, it also helps. Wild penalty kill is really good. It's not like the Wild's penalty, and not, not. I'm not saying that you guys are implying that the Wild should do this or, or no. I'm just asking from a league standpoint. Big plan point, right? Depends yeah. on the personnel. Depends on exactly. The team. Sure. So, so luckily the Wild's penalty kill and has always notoriously been very good. Um, so that that also helps. But I, I think uh, you guys can just go to your NHL leagues and and you guys can be the next analytics for penalty kill. Spurgeon's perfect up on top. This of is the more point. strategy than analytics. I mean, this, mm-hmm. I sure. just watch these games and I see teams consistently do things, and I'm curious about. No, this is game theory about the why. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of, and you're right. There, there and isn't a lot of a conversation lot. around game theory when it comes to hockey. Yeah, because everybody just is like, we do, we run a two-one-two. Why do you think that is? Well, we we just talked about it ten minutes ago. We had a lot of old guys that are set in their ways, yeah. and if you if you even uh, suggest something else, they take it as a direct shot against huh. their credibility oh, yeah. as a coach. Absolutely, and, you know. And and if everybody else isn't doing it, why would you have incentives to change? But now that we're seeing the changing of the guard, those younger coaches are turning over. Who's changing? Do, do you, you think? Like like, do you guys see games or see teams that that you see things strategy that, strategy game right? Wise? Like game theory that you think to yourself that's that's Sean McVay like Patrick Waugh five years ago <laughs> with pulling the goalie pulling the that's goalie true. super yep. super early that's a but different was, game theory unfortunately he was off his rocker but you're right, oh, right. You're ta- Pat, I love Patrick Waugh but yeah that's oh, a game that's a, that's a game one. that's a yeah. game theory change that it still has not been adopted today even though analytically it's far better chance to 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 get a goal that you need if you pull the goalie now five minutes maybe not but not right. waiting to the final minute but other than that. Um, not really. I, I haven't seen anything. I'll keep an eye out for it and see if there's like a different way. Because it's, there's so many little nuances. I mean, I agree with you. I don't see a lot of, I don't see a lot of games where I see things and, and they might be subtle. So I miss them, but they just shuffle the lines where I, yeah, yeah, well now they just do that constantly. Right. But that's, I mean, Bruce doesn't leave a line to get, but that's the thing. They don't, they look for matchups in the sense of like, okay, first line, third line, but they don't necessarily always look at matchups individually. And, Individual matchups don't matter as much as hockey as they do in football or baseball or whatever else. But there's something to be said 
for looking at that. Something to be said for looking at being like, hey, what's what's the issue with Grandland? Why why when he I talked about the, with the, with you about this a few weeks ago, Judd. What is when Grandland's not playing well? When he goes into the zone, what does he always do? Slow down near the top of the blue line. Wait. Try to dipsy doodle and try to do a pass from the top of the line and let everybody else catch up to him. And he stops moving his feet. And you're like, oh, I wonder why Granlin's turning over the puck in the high slot. <laughs> right. Oh, game theory. Right. You're right. like, Granlin, take that. Every time you, you see the blue line, you say, I'm not stopping my feet until I hit the goal line. Right. And then, but that's, that's a different type of, those are little nuanced things that you and I and Declan would notice, but general population doesn't. Oh, I, I wouldn't notice. I, I'm, I'm only here strictly for. For great trade ideas, and that that's all I'm, I'm bringing okay. to the table. So Judd just want to bring that. When clear. you're not high, yeah, I'm not. I'm and, assistant. And when you are drunk moment. today, Judd, and when how you dare are you? high, we get terrible trade ideas. But when I'm drunk, they're pretty decent. The thing, the thing that it drove me crazy on Saturday, and, and I've talked to Lou about this on our Thursday podcast, and it drives us crazy, both Lou. of us, Lou Nanny. Who? <laughs> and it drives, and I think it's the culture today is the wanting to defer. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Paralysis by analysis. I, I'm almost 50, and guys that played hockey in my age bracket, shot. Yeah. People now <laughs> yep. don't, they don't. You're 100% want, I mean, Jason Zucker should never pass. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, you've got a shot. Just, just shoot. But it's, and Grant, and Grandland, for as good a playmaker as he is on the big ice sheet, on the NHL ice sheet, he should shoot a lot. Mm-hmm. Like it is, and but they're not, that, that's not like two guys. I'm talking about, this is a league wide thing of the amount of guys. Who want to pass the puck, like the Ovechkin? Ovechkin should be—I don't want to say the norm, but there should be a lot more guys wired like that, or who yeah. aren't. Or just did you see the goal Jonathan Drouin scored in overtime, coast to coast? From yeah, his it's own gorgeous. End? I, I love a player that does not care that I'm going to go coast to coast, even if I miss the net or if I turn the puck over. That's fine. I love a guy that's going down in there, and he knew exactly what he wanted to do from the moment he left. As long his own as it's cage. not all the time. Well, and I'm not even talking about sure. coast to coast. All I'm talking about, okay, I just got the puck on my stick. I got a pass. Now I'm shooting. the The amount of guys now that look to pass it back, or you know, it used to be the old thing was on the power play. You know, shoot, shoot, and teams would try to True. set up, and then we get. But now it's just like, at time at, there there was a time I thought, well, fans, fans are fans. Just shut up. They'll shoot eventually. <laughs> but now it's like teams do. They just pass. No, yeah. it's 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 it a, it's a generational thing because it's literally. They defer because it's not that they don't want to take the shot. So it's that they don't want to. They don't want to be ripped on social media by everyone afterwards if they miss it. Is that it? So it's Literally, not because get, they are brought. I don't know up if it's that explicit, but there's there's nice a, there's a consciousness that there's definitely with the millennials. At least I think, and I struggle with making decisions all the time just because you are worried that you're going to make the wrong one. And it's and you're like, well, it's better. My coach, her that she her big, in addition to uh, what was it, perception is reality. The other big thing that I took away from her is that she would say, if you're gonna f up, f up big. So she says, oh, Linz, you can eat chicken if you want to eat chicken fingers by by all means. But if you're gonna do it, get it large, get go all out. That's the same thing with the mistakes. Nobody wants to make a mistake because they don't want to lose their ice time. They don't want to be called on on social media because you just think of like – The first one makes a lot of sense. You yeah. Just think of how okay. much how much like crap Ewell Erickson Eck gets. A lot of crap. And he and, and just think of how much time he probably but, spends but on social co- media. But your coach is right then. If you're going to fail, fail. Right. But that's but that's what I mean. That's where there there's this turnover and and how the league is going to change. But that, I guarantee you there's a direct unconscious thing where they're just like – I don't want to be the one that messes up that everyone sees and that I'm trending on Twitter because I messed up. I think your ice time thing's right too. Cuz like like Zucker has been a product of that a lot, right? Yeah. Like he gets in trouble and then all of a sudden he's third or fourth line and then right. and then he gets hot and that, like he to me is the poster child for today's young adult. Yes. Yep. You yep. know. Okay, I'm in trouble now. So now cuz I'm really good at hockey, I'll I'll be really good again. Then eventually I'll sag back mm-hmm. and get in trouble again. And so well, eventually just, you get to Saturday night where it's like Grandland gives up the puck and it's like, okay, shoot. No, I'm going to pass it. They just got to – they got to – the coaches have to like get together and figure out or at least have a meeting with like these younger generation of players be like, how did tell – how, tell us how you want to be coached. Now tell us how you think you should be coached to get the most out of you because there's a big difference being – because everybody likes to be praised. Right. And everybody likes it. And, and it's I no and it's no secret that this generation is starved for positive reinforcement, even though we probably get more than any other generation has. You do. 
And but that's the thing is like there's such a disconnect, and you're seeing players like Jason Zucker, like like Jeff Skinner, who has 30 goals in Buffalo. He was junk in, in, yeah, Carolina. in Carolina. Yeah, I don't think Bill and Peters then, gave hugs. And out. then you and then you have it. You're like. <laughs> How do we how do we bridge this? How can we do this where we can keep each other accountable, but I, where I can I can get after you and get after your game when I need to, but you're not going to be completely destroyed by it. Yep. And they need to figure it out because it's clear. And this isn't just a hockey problem. This is across all sports, all industries. Problem is that everybody needs to figure out how to communicate between the older generation and the millennials because there's so much lost production and so much lost potential just based off of people not. Telling someone good job when it's the right time, or or giving them a kick in the butt when it's the right time, or doing or making right. the wrong decision. Absolutely. It's very simple. It's very simple, but it needs to be addressed. It's simple, but it's a puzzle too. Because it's a puzzle. It's hard. It's hard to know when is the right time to have discipline and when's the right time right. to yell and when's the right time. But to if if everybody gets on the same page though, and I'm sure that they have meetings about this, but I think if they at have some more input from those younger players being like, sure. this is this is the the lifestyle I want to lead. And and the coach is like, okay, cool. This this is how you want your entire day to go. All right, we'll give you 70% of that. Pick the 30 that you're giving up and just go at, go at it that way. All right. Should we do one more thing here? I don't, yeah. Wrap it up. Yep. Okay. Uh, Pierre Maguire. Oh, boy. Between the benches last oh. week. A very – I've had him on – I used to ha- have him on our show once in a while to talk hockey, and, you know, he knows the sport a lot. But anyway, um, LB, your thoughts on on the controversy that arose when, when Kendall Coyne uh, – Schofield, correct? Yep. Was between the benches with him, and he <laughs> – he, he mansplained. Out, he yeah, mansplained to he the ma- Olympic gold medalist. Yes, which, which, by the way, and I'm not defending him, was one of the least surprising things I've ever seen. Why? Because – because Pierre Maguire is uncomfortable when he talks to Sidney Crosby, yeah. Jonathan no, Taze. It's not comfortable when he talks about them. I can tell you that right now. No, but I'm just I'm just saying I've there like like did did you see the clip when Taze was um, Taze starting a game in Chicago earlier this season and Pierre said something like you know and Jonathan you're still they still love you here and Taze like thanks Pierre <laughs> thanks anyway Pierre. Thanks, man. Okay. He, he mansplained, but give me your give me your thoughts on what he did. Okay. So just in case anybody missed it, like you kind of did a recap, but essentially Pierre Maguire was talking with Kendall Coyne Schofield, who was in the NHL All Star game, won the or took second, which she's just behind Connor McDavid, yeah. right? In the in the speed contest. Anyway, she's in between the benches and he basically says you know, we got the Capitals yeah. over here and the Blackhawks over here. Now you can't be a fan and we have to uh. be professional. And I'm when I saw this on social media, I'm like, oh, no. I thought the same thing. Oh, it, it was really no. uncomfortable. Yeah. Because I think it was worse telling her where the, where the teams were. Yeah, that was bad. I think it's more offensive that you say, no, you can't be a fan yeah. today. Yeah, that was. Because, because <laughs> as a hockey player in general, too, like I have not played at the same level as Kendall. I've played with her on teams before and stuff. But she's a professional hockey player. And I, I played in college and stuff. If I meet Jonathan Quick, yeah, sure, I'll be like a little bit like, oh my god. But for the most part, I'm kind of like they're hockey players, right. they're normal. So she's not. You're a fan, but you also, I'm a fan of hockey too. But I probably rip more hockey than I than I than I talk about that I like. Sure. And so I think that's the bit. But I also think when this happened, I was like, oh no, he didn't. But I also thought, oh no, he's going to get destroyed, and he doesn't deserve to be destroyed as much as he is, because I think is it unfortunate. Absolutely. Is it slightly offensive? Sure. Does it happen 90 times every day to women? Yes. yes. But the fact that it was on national TV and it was Ken- and that there's a big thing and she handled it in- incredibly well. She addressed it afterwards. She said she's known Pierre for years and I've never personally met Pierre. He gets a lot of crap. People liked he's like the Nickelback of the NHL commentary team. Yes. Where people just like love to hate him. <laughs> And granted, he's just like this short little ball guy with glasses that's obsessed with Sidney Crosby. But it's a bit. He he plays into the bit. But he's not like – he tweets all the time about hockey. He's one of the biggest advocates in the world. And then you have people who are like, oh, I'm not a real hockey fan, but I'm going to go crucify Pierre. I'm like, you hate hockey. Why do you care? And that drives me nuts. And this is where the the oversensitivity – I was was okay a couple years ago. Now the outrage level is just too big. He made a mistake. But it, it's a learning moment for him, and it's a learning moment for everyone that Pierre Maguire, who's at the top of the game, is saying to an Olympic gold medal, Kendall Coyne, yeah. Schofield, 
who is at the top of the women's hockey world right now, and even then on the national stage that still happens. So it still is a problem, but I don't think he deserves to get as much. He apologized. Kendall's cool. If Kendall's cool, I'm cool. Right. You know, but the outrage that, that, that followed was ridiculous, but is it unfortunate? Absolutely. But is it, is it abnormal? Certainly not. Yeah. It's the worst. And he's just sort of uncomfortable. He's Pierre. Yeah. He's the awkward uncle that you like stands in the yeah. corner but, at the holiday party. But you're right. A lot of people didn't know, know that because they don't watch the sport right. ever. And so they're, Shocking. they're just like, well, I'm sure this guy's a man's man ordinarily. It was and, trending worldwide on Twitter for like a few hours. Well, she came out and did a great job. Yeah. Saying, she handled it. Yeah, she, she, she handled, handled it. it but that's what I mean. That's what Jars, but that's across all cultures. Oh, I'm just getting the news story without any sort of context. Right. Burn him. Yeah. No, thank you. Instant reaction. It's okay. Good Declan, job, any Kendall. Quick thoughts on that? No, I, I think she handled it like a pro. Um, I, I, I initially was pretty upset with with Pierre as well. That I just thought, like, dude, just just take a seat sometimes and, and shut your mouth. Even though I know he's an analyst and he's supposed to be, be supposed to be talking, because I, I would have just liked her to be eased into it and or, or just let her do her thing. I'm eased into it. Just let her be her. Let her lead. Yeah, let her introduce her and let yeah. her lead. She can do it. She, she's she's more than capable of of hockey analysis without. This is the left team and this is the right team. So, it, don't it's be a Pierre. fan. Yeah, it's Pierre being Pierre. Yeah. I also don't. I also think that that we are not completely jumping the shark because I like the idea, but I don't know that you need somebody between the benches every game. Like she would have been great up in the booth with Olchek yes. and Forsland. Yes, like putting her down between the benches with Pierre. Like that would have been a game to me where I would have been like, I think I might kill the between the benches idea. Ha- have her upstairs. In a three-person booth, yeah, and it would have gone just fine, right? Like, but they wanted the camera time; they wanted I, the face. Time. I know, but how much? Like, like unless it's I get I get the concept and the between the benches thing at times is really cool still, mm-hmm. but I also think at times it's like you don't need to be doing this every single game. It would be like way, you see a lot from upstairs. Yeah, it would honest. be way cooler if they had it like a live mic, much like uh, in the Super Bowl post Super Bowl press scrum that immediately followed the game where there was a hot mic for three minutes for no reason. Um, I think they should just have that mic'd up and have the benches mic'd up, and you you could pay the well, NHL. Like an HBO. Yeah, and you pay, and then you can you can hear Bru- all the Effenheimers from Bruce. Oh. Can you imagine Tortorella's on would, demand page? I would pay <gasps> I would pay two hundred dollars a year for that package. Right, I would I would too, just to, just to, just to hear the be benches great. and hear because Forward. I love watching NHL mic'd up. Sometimes I go Absolutely. on YouTube rabbit holes where just to hear what they. I just want to hear what they're saying to each other. Absolutely. I don't care. I don't just to hear the funny the, the chirps and stuff. Oh, and they brilliant. don't stop. And they don't stop. It's great. Yeah, no, they don't care. The f bombs everywhere. All right, we're done. Bye. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.